Welcome on into the Jazz Talk Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dieters. Donovan Mitchell looks to be on his way out, but is still with the team. The Jazz have just added a new forward out of Italy. And a look into what could possibly be Danny Ainge's plan for the future with this team. Um, so first off, it is uh, Friday, the 22nd of July. Um, there's been rumors for the past couple weeks of Donovan Mitchell being traded. Um, there was rumors yesterday that the the Jazz and the Knicks had basically come to an agreement on a trade, um, that they were just finalizing details. Um, since then, further reporting has come out that maybe they weren't as close as what people have been saying, um, and that this may drag out for a little longer. Um <clears throat> So why would the Jazz be looking to trade Donovan Mitchell? So Donovan's going to be 26 this next year. He has three years left on his contract and then a player option after that, which unless he has a horrific injury, there's no real reason that he's going to pick up that player option. He'll be a free agent at that point. Um, And then he'd be free to go wherever he wants. And, you know, the Jazz could lose him for nothing at that point. Now, again, that is three years away, so you could still, you know, try to put a great team around him, see what you can do in those, in those, you know, even like the first two years, if it's not working, then you move on. Um, But I think the Jazz have kind of come to the decision that the group they had before, they could keep running that group back, um, you know, with Rudy, with Donovan, Boyan, Mike Conley, all of them. They could run that group back year after year be a 46 to, you know, maybe 55 win team every single year, maybe get to the second round, maybe one year you get lucky and get into the conference finals. But they knew this wasn't a team that had championship upside. Uh, They didn't have a top five player in this league, which is hard to have. I mean, there's only five of them. Um, And one of them didn't even play all last year, so with uh, in uh, Kawhi Leonard. So the ability to to win a championship just wasn't really there with this group for the Jazz. Um, it looked at times like they had enough of a combination of talent to make it work, um, <clears throat> but it just wasn't, they weren't in that position. Um, and so... Right around uh, 4th of July, Jazz traded Rudy Gobert to the Timberwolves, and they got a lot back. They got a lot of picks. They got some young couple or a few young players. Um, but it they got worse presently, like uh, for right now. Um, even the combination of Beverly, Beasley, Vanderbilt. Those don't combine to equal out what Rudy Gobert gives you. And you got to remember, basketball is a lot different than, you know, say baseball or football where, you know, baseball, there's nine guys on the field, football, there's 11. In basketball, there's only five. And so each one of those is a very important position on the, on the court. Um, <clears throat> so even if Beasley, Beverly, and Vanderbilt all equaled out to, better than Gobert, they take up two more roster spots or two more spots on the floor than he did. 
Um, that's why having a top five, top 10 talent, um, on your team is so very important. Um, you need guys that are so good that they make up for, um, the fact that you can only have five guys on the floor, basically. Um, you know, we've seen this with LeBron, you know, LeBron went to eight straight, uh, NBA finals with the the Cavaliers and with the heat. Um, and he had a lot of good talent around him at that time, but it was because he was the best player in the world and he could, he could lift a team up that much by himself. You know, you look at in football, you know, Tom Brady is a, an amazing quarterback, probably the greatest of all time. However, if he didn't have really good offensive linemen around him, he didn't have all the wide receivers that he's had in the past. He didn't have a good defense when he's off the field. Um, he would ne- he wouldn't have anywhere near the career that he's had. Um, meanwhile, you know, in the NBA, you can basically what I'm saying is if you have that top top level talent, you can get away with having a lesser roster around them. The Jazz, on the other hand, had Rudy Gobert, who was you know a top 15 player, and Donovan Mitchell, who's a top 25. Which can get you into, like I said, 46 to 55 wins every single year. Can get you possibly, you know, most likely past the first round into the second round of the playoffs every year. And for a lot of franchises, like, that's cool. Like, um, you know, the Kings. If the Kings could do that right now, I think they'd be very happy with that. Because they haven't made the playoffs in, I think, 17 years. There was a stat that came up on, uh, I think it was on Instagram, that I saw it. There are no active players in the NBA right now that have ever played against the Kings in the playoffs. You know, um, LeBron was in the Eastern Conference the last time that uh, the Kings made it, but, you know, Chris Paul didn't, never played against them. Carmel Anthony never played against them in the playoffs. Uh, it's been such a long time. So if they were to have a team like the Jazz have had these last few years, they'd be stoked. But for a team like the Jazz, who, you know, they had the Stockton Malone days, they made it to the finals twice, couldn't quite get over the hump, but that's because Michael Jordan was in their way. You know, Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer led the team to the Western Conference Finals. And then this team that they had, very successful, made the playoffs six years in a row, made it to the second round a couple year, couple of those years, but never were able to really push past. And that's why... You know, the Jazz are looking to kind of tear things down and through the draft and through, you know, other trades, get that high level of talent you have that you need to truly contend for a title. Um, so anyway, uh, let's let's take a quick look at what a possible trade with the Knicks could look like. So the reporting that's come out has been that the Jazz want six first-round picks and three young players from the Knicks. And Danny, in it, all the reporting says that Danny Ainge is, a, is unbudging on that. That is, that is a lot. That is, like, um, it used to be that you could get a superstar player for 
one good player back, one good young player, and two first-round picks. Now, uh, and everybody's blaming the Rudy Gobert trade on this, but you know, you look at the Paul George trade, the Anthony Davis trade. Um, there's been massive, massive trades. James Harden to the Nets that have made it to where this asking price is just so high right now. Um, so the average team, as long as they haven't traded away first round picks, um, already can trade about four first round picks, um, in a, in a trade, um, because you can't trade in consecutive years. So let's say, uh, um, you're going to trade 2023. You can't trade 2024 also. It'd have to be like 23, 25, 27, 29, which is what the Jazz got from the Timberwolves. Um, then you have a team like the Knicks who have extra picks that they picked up from other teams that they could throw into this deal. Um, so the Jazz are going to try and get back from the, from the Knicks. I think it, what they were talking about was 24, 26, 28, and 30, plus like three or four other first-round picks that they've picked up from other teams. Um, that by itself is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then on top of that, they want three of their young players. Um, I, I, it sounds like Quentin Grimes is the one, is the guy that they want the most from the Knicks. Um, they're also looking at like Obi Toppin. Um, Cam Reddish, possibly, I, uh, Manuel Quickly, uh, and uh, Miles McBride. Some combination of those guys. They don't want R.J. Barrett back because R.J. Barrett is just about to get paid, you know, $30 million a year, and the Jazz aren't going to be in a position to to win um, that early. He doesn't really fit their timeline as far as when he gets paid. Uh <clears throat> And then the Jazz are going to have to take on some salary uh, just to make the trade work because um, the Knicks don't have cap space. They can't just send away all these young guys on small contracts and take back Donovan Mitchell. They have to send back some money. So it'd be either Evan Fournier or Derrick Rose um, to make the money work there. And then I believe Evan Fournier might stick around with the Jazz to like the trade deadline, and then they'd move him. Derek Rose would probably just get bought out and then he would become a free agent. Um, what I think is going to end up happening is the Jazz are going to compromise a little bit. <clears throat> not a ton. They're not going to go, we want six picks and three young players to all of a sudden, all right, we'll take you know, three first-round picks and one good young player. No, It's not going to be that much of a drop. Um, they may take one less pick or be willing to take one less uh, young player um, in return. Uh, but all this leads me to... Uh, so Danny Ainge is taking the Jazz <clears throat> into a rebuild. Um, they're going to take every, all the talent that they have right now on the roster and get back as many draft picks as they possibly can, as many young players as they possibly can, and start to develop a young group. Um, see if any of these young guys that they get in these trades can be cornerstone pieces to a future franchise. And then hopefully you get high draft picks and you can hit all those draft picks. Um, 
David Locks talked about it, where once you get past like the sixth pick, um, you have about a 50-50 chance of getting a rotation player. Not a star, a rotation player. The guy that <clears throat> will average, a, you know, roughly 20 minutes a game for his entire career. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So what the Jazz are really wanting to get to are, you know, those top five picks to trying to get to a superstar-level player. In this next year's draft, the Jazz already have three picks. They have their own. Um, they have the Timberwolves, and they have uh, the worst of the Nets, Rockets, and 76ers, which I'm imagining will be the 76ers, so it'll probably be like the 27th pick. <clears throat> so with the Jazz this year, they tear this team down, um, they start developing these young guys, and let's say they win 25 games for the year, which is going to be rough. You know, after being a 50-win team so many years in a row with this group, <clears throat> it's going to be rough to go through a rebuild like this, but it, it has to happen. Um, <clears throat> and let's say they're able to get into the top two in this year's draft. Well, Victor Webemiana out of France is already, like, the consensus number one guy. He's 7'3". He's not... As skinny as Chet Holmgren, he's still pretty skinny, but he's not, he's got a pretty good frame, but he plays like a guard. Like he's a seven foot three shooting guard that can also block shots. Um, like people are thinking that he is like the next big, big thing in the NBA. And then also, I, the guy I think is probably the second best player in this draft is Scoot Henderson out of the G League. Um, Scoot is, he's, was listed at like 6'3", but they, a lot of people think that he's grown a couple inches, and that he's around 6'5", he's probably somewhere around like 210. He is a freak athlete, um, insanely fast, <clears throat> very good defender, just absolutely gets after it, um, has become a good shooter, um, I think he's a bigger, stronger John Morant. Um, and so if the Jazz are, you know, they go through this rebuild, the first year of this rebuild, they're, you know, they're tanking, basically. If they can get one of those two talents, you're possibly on your way to having a top five talent. And then it's going to be a few years. Um, you look at, like, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. They had Chris Paul. They had just gotten Shea Gilgis Alexander from the Clippers. Um, well, actually, let's go back one more year from that. They had Russell Westbrook and they had Paul George. That team was able to get, I think, to the second round a couple years, uh, but they weren't ever really able to really push it any further than that. Um, actually, I don't even know if they made it to the second round. Because they got beat by the Jazz the one year, and then they got beat by the Blazers the other year. That may have been in the first round. Anyway, um, so they send Paul George to the Clippers, and they get back a haul. They get, like, six picks, Danilo Gallinari, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was only, like, 20 years old at the time. Um, 
They send Russell Westbrook to the Rockets, and they got Chris Paul, and I think a first round or maybe two first round picks for doing that. That next year, they made it to the playoffs. Uh, Chris Paul led that team in with Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gilchrist, Alexander, and Chris Paul. Um, and that's the year that I kind of want the Jazz to avoid with their rebuild. I don't want them to get some talent back right now and be able to push themselves into the playoffs, get beat in the first round, and then it's like, well, was that worth it or did we just waste a year? Because you look now, Shigildas Alexander is on his way to being one of the best guards in the NBA. And since then, they've gone fully into the rebuild. They've they picked up Lou Dort as an undrafted guy. You know, he is a fantastic defender who's become a really good three-point shooter. They added Josh Giddy last year in the draft. Um, he's a 6'8 guy that can play the one through the three. Um, super talented, you know, triple-double threat every single night type guy. And then this year, they were able to add Chet, Holm- Chet Holmgren at the number two pick. Um, like, that's a team that in the next couple years is going to start using those draft picks to go out and get a superstar to put around all these young guys that they have, and they could be a really scary team. That's kind of where the Jazz are going to be if they do things right in, let's say, four years. It's going to take this this season right now is all about tearing it all down, getting as much many assets as you possibly can right now as far as draft picks and young players, and then it's going to become about who can we get in this first draft you're going to be looking for in free agency. You're going to be looking for maybe some young guys that got passed over. Um, and you're going to be looking for uh, some solid veterans that could come in and mentor young guys. Um, and you want one more really, really good try at that next draft in 2024. Let's say you hit in both 2023 and 2024 in the draft. You're able to get top three picks in both. And you get a couple, couple uh, guys that look like they have the potential to become superstars. Then you start. Um, meanwhile, while this is all going on, you're looking at undrafted guys. You're looking at guys overseas, um, which we'll get into the guy from Italy in just a second. Um, you know, and then in year three. That's when you start going like, okay, is this the team that we need? Is this the team? Is this the core group? Can we start to start to push some of these pieces into the middle and um, go get some star talent to put around these young stars? Like, let's say um, by that point, let's say they get Scoot Henderson and they get you know some star small forward. So you have your point guard, you have your small forward, maybe a guy like, you know, maybe by that point, Giannis has, you know, the Bucks championship window is kind of closed. Giannis might be looking for a new scenery and the Jazz all of a sudden can go like, hey, we have, a, you know, like four young players we can send the Bucks, and like seven or eight first round picks we can send them to so that they can start their own rebuild. We had Giannis to that group. Now you're off on your way to 
possibly be in the championship team. That's if everything goes perfectly. Um, the big thing is you're never going to hit 100% on all your draft picks. You're never going to win every single trade that you're ever involved in. Every free agent you sign is, isn't always going to hit. It's not always going to be the perfect guy to sign. Um, and so the Jets, these next few years, are go- they're kind of going to be exciting. Um, if you look at them as, hey, what could be? If you're looking at these next few years as, I want the Jazz in the playoffs, I want them to be good, you're going to be disappointed. They're kind of going to suck. Embrace the suck. <laughs> you know, um, they are, it's possibility is the, is the word I'm going to throw out there. Possibility. Can they go out and find the next Carl Malone? Can they find the next John Stockton, the next Donovan Mitchell? Can they find the next Rudy Gobert? Or, you know, you look outside the franchise. Can they find the next Kawhi Leonard, the next Giannis, the next Luka Doncic? It's it's exciting to think about. Um, But just know, if you're a Jazz fan, watching them on TV, it's going to be a lot of losses for the next... Probably three, four years. But Danny Ainge has experience with these rebuilds. He's done it twice with the Celtics. You know, he took over a team that was Antoine Walker and Paul Pierce, tore it down to the studs, and was eventually able to build it back to Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. And they won a championship, and they made it to the finals uh, one other time than that, they kept making it to the Western Conference Finals. Once that team's window was closed, they tore that down, made a trade with the Nets, got a bunch of first-round picks there. We were able to get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. This last year, they made it to the Finals, and they've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple years before that. So, have faith in, uh, in Danny Ainge that he knows what he's doing. He's also got a guy like Justin Zanuck in the front office with him who's extremely intelligent. Um, but just know, jazz basketball is not going to be super exciting um, if you're looking for wins, if you're looking for the playoffs over these next few years. But if you're looking at as, you know, what could be, what could the Jazz do with, with you know, all these draft picks, with all these young players that they're going to eventually get here, um, it could be an extremely exciting uh, next few years. You know, they have a good, you know, we don't know if he's good yet, but they have an extremely young coach that everybody thinks is going to be great in Will Hardy. So we'll get to see what he can do with the, this young group. Um, <clears throat> but we'll go ahead and move into the last thing I want to talk about today. The Italian player. So this is how you say his name. You'll you'll hear people say all kinds of ridiculous things. Okay, his name is Simone Fontecchio. I've watched a lot and a lot of video on this guy. Announcers in Europe, in I uh, in Italy, in Germany, in Spain, wherever it's Fontecchio. It's not Fontecchio or whatever crap the guys on the radio have been saying. It's Fontecchio, Simone Fontecchio. He is 26 years old. 
six foot eight, but probably two twenty, two twenty-five. Like he's a pretty solidly built guy. He reminds me a ton of Gordon Hayward. Now a lot of people, guys on the radio, have been saying, "Oh, he's the next Joe Ingles." Why? Because he's a foreign guy that's six foot eight. Now his his play style is Gordon Hayward. He's about a 40-41% three-point shooter for his career in Europe. He's an aggressive driver who likes to dunk with both hands, likes to dunk a lot, um, likes to step back, not much of a creator. Um, he is a, you know, I think if he they can fully develop him, he's a number two or three scoring option on a, on a really good team, like Gordon Hayward. Now, do I think he's going to have the same career as Gordon? Probably not. And a good reason for that is that Gordon came into the NBA when he was 20. Uh, Simone is uh, 26 already. But the Jazz have signed him to a two-year deal. And he's going to get every opportunity possible to show what he can do at the NBA level. Um, If you're interested in looking at this guy... Um, on YouTube, Simone, S-I-M-O-N-E, Fontecchio, F-O-N-T-E-C-H-I-O. There might be one more C in there somewhere. Uh, but Simone Fontecchio, uh, he's from Italy. Um, I'm pretty excited about the Jazz bringing him in. And this is, again, this is what I was just talking about. Possibility, what could be. What if they did just add the Italian Gordon Hayward. And what if Quentin Grimes, who they're looking to get from the Knicks in this trade, becomes the next Clay Thompson, like some people are saying. And then, so you have Gordon Hayward and uh, Clay Thompson on the team. You're able to draft Scoo Henderson. You just said John Morant. That's a pretty dang good team. Um, but... You know, Fontecchio could come over to the NBA and be a dud. He could be a guy that was good in Europe, but couldn't quite uh, figure it out in the NBA. Um, Quentin Grimes could become, you know, just a normal, you know, rotation player. A guy that can get you some minutes, but he's not ever going to be anything special. Um, You know, but I'm just saying, like, have an open mind. Let's be optimistic about what's going on here. But let's also be realistic about the fact that the Jazz are not going to be very good for the next few years. But it's in hopes that they can put together Utah's first championship team. I really want to see a championship banner put up in what is now the Vivint Smart Home Arena. I grew up with it being the Delta Center. But I would love to see a championship banner hanging there. Um, but anyway, with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day and go jazz.